Welcome to the podcast of Faith Chapel, this week with a guest speaker. It's a privilege to bring this message to you, and we hope it brings you greater faith, hope, and love in the Lord. Please know that Pastor Rich prays personally for you, our listener, each and every week. Thank you for joining us today. Hello, my name is Tony Higgins. So before we get started, let me uh, open in a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your just amazing grace, your mercy, and your love, Lord. We thank you because you appropriated our sins so long ago through the shed blood of your Son, Jesus Christ, and that we have the right to be your children and to share an eternal life forever. We ask your blessings this morning on this message, Lord. Bless the hearts that are here, we pray. Give me the ability that I need to deliver it, Lord, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. So as a preface this morning to this morning's message, let's take a journey back to it in time to March of 1836. The location is what was then known as Mexican, Texas, at what is now the present-day San Antonio. A mission compound had been converted to a military fortress known as the Alamo first occupied by the Mexican army and then by Americans who drove them out of the land and assembled to fight against them. And I was, I'm going to add a, a postscript here. When I was putting this together, it didn't occur to me that this, uh, in this day and age, we have to be politically correct with everything we do. And this account, uh, that what happened to the Alamo, involved the country of Mexico and the settlers who were in the um, region of Texas, and they were actually there by the inv invitation of the Mexican government to begin with. But after they were there for a while, they decided they wanted to be independent. And so this isn't a story about racism, about the Mexicans or the Americans or anything else. It's just an account of what happened at the Alamo. A few days earlier, the Americans had proclaimed their independence from Mexico. Antonio Lopez de Santa Ana a general in the Mexican army and the president of Mexico launched a plan to retake Texas. He sent 1,500 soldiers to fight the approximate 200 Americans garrisoned at the Alamo under the command of William Travis, Jim Bowie, and Davy Crockett. The battles lasted 13 days. The first two attacks were unsuccessful due to the firepower of cannons from within the Alamo. But the third one resulted in takeover by the Mexicans in just over an hour. All of the Texan and American defenders were killed in brutal hand-to-hand -hand fighting. It was a defeat for the Americans. Six weeks later, a large Texan army under Sam Houston surprised Santa Ana's army at San Jacinto. Shouting, remember the Alamo, the Texans defeated the Mexicans and captured Santa Ana. The Mexican dictator was forced to recognize Texas independence and withdrew his forces south of the Rio Grande. The loss of life and defeat at the Alamo had become an inspiration to the Texas patriots and their battle cry. 2,000 years ago, another battle took place on a hill called Calvary. Its location was just outside of Jerusalem at Golgotha, meaning the place of the skull. A man named Jesus had been seized and charged with false accusations. Although Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor, said, I find no fault in this man, the crowd cried, Crucify him. 
crucify him. It was a sad day for Christianity. They lost and the world won. But did they? I've entitled this message this morning, Remember the Cross. That is not only our battle cry, but it is our source of encouragement and promise as Christians. We'll be looking in a moment at a passage in Mark 15, so if you'd like to follow along, have your Bible ready. When I was thinking about crosses, I remembered that Jesus spoke a few times about crosses. In Luke 14, 27, he said, Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. In Matthew 16, verse 24, he said, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Matthew 10:38 says, And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. The irony of this all is that he himself would die on a cross for the sins of mankind. So if you want to follow along in Mark 15, we'll be reading from verses 22 to 27 and then from 33 to 37. It says this, They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him, dividing up his clothing. They cast lots to see what each would get. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read the king of the Jews. They crucified two rebels with him, one on his right and one on his left. And then skipping down to verse 33, at noon darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is interpreted, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near him heard this, they've said, listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran, filled a sponge with vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. But the story didn't end there. If it had, Jesus would have been only a martyr. But he arose victoriously over death and the grave. Let's look and see what we should remember about the cross. Remember, when we talk about the cross, it isn't about the physical cross that's important to remember, but it's the events that happened in the person of Jesus Christ that are worthy of remembering. First of all, the cross brings love. God provided his love on the cross. 1 John 3, 1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. God's love was present when he created the world and us. Without him, there would be no love because love came from him. God's love is shown by his plan of redemption for all of us through his son, Jesus Christ. Uh, Death on the cross uh, is the greatest demonstration of God's love for us. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The source of love is God's saving work of grace in the hearts of sinners. 
God's greatest commandment is for us to love the Lord and to love one another. He created us to be the love in the world that he created. God's love surrounds us day by day. In Deuteronomy 7, 9, we read, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. The operative word here is faithful. God is faithful. He keeps his promises and his covenant of love. How many believe God is faithful? How many of you could share a story of, of his faithfulness? He amazes me when I think I can't be amazed anymore with his faithfulness. I'll just I'll stop and tell you a, a little story. Um, I found myself out of work twice in my career, and one was after I got an early retirement from the corporation I worked for, and I was looking for a job to get me through the next few years. Um, I had a severance package, and I was okay for a while, but we, the money started running out. We were getting pretty close to not having anything, and we sat and had breakfast at a restaurant, and I prayed over the meal, and I don't know if somebody heard me praying. I, I don't know what took place, but, but I prayed over the meal and asked God to help me find a job, and we ate our meal, and we asked for the bill, and the waitress said, well, your bill's been paid. And I said, What? She said, We've, it's been paid. We said, who paid it? And we looked around. We didn't see anybody we knew. And she said, they were sitting right over there. And I, we know it was not anybody we knew, but somebody paid our bill. And would you believe that the next time that I was out of work, that exact same thing happened? And it just was reassurance to me of how faithful God was. Because God saw us through both of those situations. And so God is faithful. Psalms 86.5 says, you, Lord, are forgiving and good, abounding in love to all who call to you. Psalms 86, 15, but you, O Lord God, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Aren't you glad he's slow to anger? God's love is so great that he extends his mercy and grace to us. Apart from that, we would have no relationship with him. Psalms 136, 26, it reads, Give thanks to the God of heaven, for his steadfast love endures forever. The enormity of God's love for us is captured in John 3, 16, where everybody knows it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Well, secondly, the cross not only brings love, but it brings liberty. Because of Christ's sacrifice on the cross, we are free from the bondage and penalty of sin. God used his son's death to set us free from the kingdom of darkness and to bring us into the kingdom of light. But by Christ's death on the cross, he has also freed us from the fear of death and sin's stranglehold. You remember when we were reading the text, we read some verses in Mark 15, verses 33 and 34 says this, At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The supernatural darkness described here is a symbol of God's judgment 
on sin. Why did Jesus cry out, my God, my God, have you forsaken me? The answer lies in what happened at that moment. Hebrews 9.22 tells us that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Not only did Jesus give his life's blood for us at that moment, he took on the sins of the world. God's holy divine nature will not allow him to look on sin. And so that's why Jesus, for the first time, felt abandonment and separation from God. The pain and anguish he felt was greater than all of the physical suffering that he had endured. By taking on our sins, he freed us from the grip of sin on our lives. Hebrews 2, 14 to 15 says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Christ's death broke the power of Satan and freed us from the fear of death. I had a cousin named Roger in Arkansas, and I don't know if the, you remember me breaking my shoulder one day at work, but I fell and broke my shoulder and while I was sitting in um, the hospital waiting for the results of my x-ray to tell me that I had a broken shoulder. I received a call from my cousin's son in Arkansas, um, my cousin Mamie, uh, informing me that my cousin Roger had passed away from cancer the same day that I broke my shoulder. When Roger was a supervisor at a manufacturing plant, he noticed that one of his employees always studied the Bible at lunchtime. One day he asked him about it and he joined him. When Roger was in the hospital near death, he perked up when this same man came to visit him. And you know what he said? He said to him, come in and pray me through to heaven. See, Roger wasn't afraid of dying. He didn't have the fear of death because he knew Jesus Christ in his life and he had the, he had the peace and the calm assurance that it was going to be okay. Romans 8, 1 to 3 says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. Colossians 2 says that he forgave our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. So thirdly, the cross brings life. The story of the cross is one about a death that brings forth life to you and to me. It is in the cross, the death of Jesus, that we find eternal life in Christ. The cross is not and it's the cross is not an end in, in itself it is the pathway to the resurrection life. When we accept that pathway we accept life and everything God has planned for us. 1 Peter 2:24 it says and he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds ye were healed. And if that sounds familiar, Isaiah 53.5 says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed by our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. 
and by his wounds we are healed. If you're not familiar with Isaiah 53, that chapter deals entirely with the coming of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. John 10.10 says, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. The Greek word that Jesus uses here for more abundantly describes the kind of life he was offering. Uh, The word is perizon. It means superabundant, overflowing, a quantity so abundant as to be considerably more than one would expect or anticipate. In other words, in the vernacular, what they would say today is beyond my wildest dreams. That's what that means. That's what he was talking about when he translated uh, what was translated more abundantly. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. John 11, 25 to 26 says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And of course, we're all familiar with Romans 6.23 where it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. In 1952, my mother's youngest sister, Irene, was living with her husband and three small children on a homestead in Fairbanks, Alaska. On a cold winter night, my uncle attempted to light a lantern in the kitchen. It exploded and caught the house on fire. He woke my aunt and told her to help him get the children and get out. Once they were out, they discovered that their four-year-old son was missing. Uncle Hank threw a quilt over himself and went back in to get him. The fire was too immense and he came out empty-handed. My cousin Robert, his nickname was Skeeter Sanderson, at four years old, died that night. My uncle and my cousin Winnie had second and third degree burns over 20% of their body. My aunt was burned with second and third degree burns over 40% of her body. The, The intense pain wasn't what hurt the most. It was the loss of her son. She wrote a book about her experiences growing up and being in the ministry with my grandfather in Alaska and and the different things that happened. And she included a a section about the fire. And she said this, she said, for the first time three days later, uh, uh, for the first three days I prayed to die. I did not want to live without my child. From the burn unit she was transferred to a room where another woman with similar burns was, was Both of them were in excruciating pain. They soon learned, however, that they were both Christians. And they began singing, Farther along we'll know more about it. O rock of ages, hide thou me. What a friend we have in Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. And tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. In between singing, they would pray, and then they would sing some more. The hospital staff would come and close their door so they wouldn't disturb the other patients. My mother was there and she said that, she says, when you'd hear them singing, we'd come in the hospital and you could hear them all the way down the hallway. You know why they did this? It was because they remembered the cross. They remembered that the events that happened on that day so long ago meant not only eternal life, but it reminded them of God's immense love for them. 
It reminded them that he was in control and that they could rise victoriously above their circumstances because Jesus paved the way through his suffering on the cross. It reminded them that no matter what their circumstances, Jesus was always there with them. They didn't have to face anything alone. You know, in this day of the coronavirus, it talks about so many people who, they get the coronavirus and they're restricted to their environment and their loved ones can't come to see them. And they die alone. And, and it's a terrible thing. But we don't have to die alone and we don't have to be alone because we have Jesus. And that's what my aunt came to realize when she was there in that hospital was that she felt the extreme loss of her son on one hand, but she felt God's presence and God's touch on another hand and she remembered the cross. So in the eyes of man, the cross was a defeat, but in heaven's eyes, it was the greatest victory ever won on earth. It means we can sing victory in Jesus and mean it. Made me think of Pastor Bob. It shows us the depth of God's love for us. How about you? Are you facing an impossible situation? Do you have financial troubles? Health issues? What about relationship issues? Are you tired of hearing bad news all the time? I want to turn the TV off sometimes. It's just like the whole newscast is nothing but bad news. And yes, Pastor, I'm tired of hearing about the virus too. It's like, it's time to go. Your time is up. Remember the cross. Remember that Jesus loves you so much that he paid your ransom with his precious blood to give you liberty from sin. By his death and resurrection, he turned death into life for all who believe in him. Whatever you're facing, he will take care of. And in closing, I want to read a poem to you that I came across on Facebook. And I gave the author's name and I couldn't find out anything more about it. It's really kind of obscure. So uh, it's called That Cross and it goes like this. When my eyes gaze on that cross, oh, what love I see. For there God's Son gave his life a sacrifice for me. The pain he suffered on that cross, all this for me he took. I'm reminded of the price it cost when to that cross I look. God's love, it is not hidden, there for all to see. For on that cross so long ago, Christ died for you and me. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the cross. Let us remember that the cross brings your love. Let us remember the cross brings liberty from sin, from Satan, and from death. And let us remember that the cross brings us life both now and for eternity. Let us carry the message of the cross to those who don't know you. Equip us and guide us as we share your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you've been encouraged by this message, we'd like to hear from you. You can contact us, listen to other sermons, and learn more at agfaithchapel.org. If you would like to give to the Ministry of Faith Chapel to reach the community and our missionaries around the world, go to agfaithchapel.org give. Thanks again, and God bless you.